As you make your way through the book of 1 Kings, you come to chapter number 16, chapter number 17, and 18, and you see some things that are taking place in these chapters. If you were to summarize a, a little bit of what's taking place, I would summarize it in this way. The battle is set. Uh, you begin to, to find that there is some disagreement. There is a, a little bit of a challenge that is made. There is uh, a little bit of, uh, of a battle that you find taking place in those three chapters there. And as you come to verse number uh, 1 of chapter number 17, backing up for just a moment, you're introduced to a couple of things that are about to go on. In verse number 1 of chapter number 17, the Bible says, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is, before Jordan. And so you begin to see a little bit of a forming, if you would, of a battle that will take place. As you come to chapter number 18, we move forward in this story for sake of time. And you come to chapter number 18, and look with me, if you would, for just a moment. The Bible says in verse number 21, actually, let's back up for just a moment. Verse number 17 of this chapter. The Bible says, And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he... That troubleth Israel. Now, there's a little bit of uh, sarcasm here. That word troubleth means to mess up or to disturb, if you would. And so there's a little bit of sarcasm here. It says, And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, and that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore, send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. That word halt there speaks of limping through, of tottering, if you would, of wavering. And so he's very clear. He's to the point. He asked the question, How long halt ye? between two opinions. As you continue reading, you begin to see that the Bible says, Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I, only remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks, and let them choose one bullock for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under, and I will dress the other bullock, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under. And call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord, and the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. So you see right here, there's a challenge that is committed. Do you see right here that they say, okay, you choose what you want. You choose the bullock you want. I'll, I'll take the other. And what we're going to do is we're going to see which God responds here. Verse number 26. Actually, back up, verse number 25. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Once again, choose ye one bullock for yourselves and dress it, for ye are many, and call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under. And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it and called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made, and it came past at noon. And Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey, or peradventure he sleepeth and must be awaked. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after the manner with knives and lancets, till the blood gushed out upon them. It came to pass, when midday was past, they prophesied unto the time 
of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that there was neither voice, nor any to answer, nor any that regarded. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones, according to the number of tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar as great as wood contained two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid on the wood and said, Fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice on the wood. And he said, Do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, Do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran round about the altar and he filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at that time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Verse number 38 is a familiar verse. It's a popular verse. It's one uh, that concludes this story to some degree, and, and many of us know what takes place. The Bible says, Then the fire of the Lord fell, and consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. I want you to notice in verse number 39 one more time, as we look at this passage of Scripture, we will come back and kind of summarize what's taking place in this story and notice a couple of things. But tonight, I want you to see these words once again. The Lord, He is the God. What takes place here in verse number 37, you begin to see that He says, Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that Thou art the Lord God and that Thou hast turned their heart back again. As he cries out and he says, hear me, O Lord. What are, you, what are you crying out for? I'm crying out for at this moment that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and thou hast turned their heart back again. All of a sudden, God answers that prayer. Verse number 38, the Bible says, then the fire of the Lord fell. And in verse number 39, exactly what he was calling out to God for takes place. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. Can I share with you and can I submit to you this evening that as you come in contact with many people, they're searching for God, they're searching for a God, they're searching for answers, and there are people that are being given false hope all across this world. People are being introduced to different religions and being introduced to different things and being told that you can only get to heaven if you do this and you do that, and the truth of the matter is there's so many falsehoods out there. As you come to this passage of Scripture, immediately you see in verse number 30, as we start moving forward, that he says, And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. That statement, come near unto me, speaks of truth. You see, truth is always welcoming certain things and always welcoming uh, those who disapprove and those who disagree. Why? Because truth can never be argued against. You see, that's why whenever you go out in your community and you begin to talk to somebody and they say, hey, we don't believe in God, well, why don't you believe in God? Well, my feelings have been hurt by Christians and I've been through things that you just wouldn't understand. I understand what you're saying there, but can I share with you just a few moments what the Word of God has to say? And they'll say, well, I don't believe that. Well, if you don't believe this is the book, if you don't believe this is the Word of God, then it might be a little bit difficult. 
But when people say, hey, I do truly believe this is the Word of God, you can't argue truth. Have you ever tried arguing with truth? People say, well, the, the, the facts are, and when facts are presented, the argument ceases. I rest my case. Very simply, whenever you come in contact with people, and Elijah here is, is dealing with a situation where he says, I rest my case. And as soon as he begins to see what's taking place, he begins to mock them, and he's already called on them to choose. He says in verse number 21, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Joshua, as you go to the book of Joshua, Joshua presents a very similar situation as well because he tells the exact same situation in a summary and he says, Choose ye this day. And as you read verse number 24, he goes on to say, But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Hey, you do what you want to do. You choose what you want to choose. But hey, for me, we're going to follow God. Elijah, as he is making this statement right here, How long halt ye between two opinions? Asking that question... He then goes on to say, if the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. You see, Elijah was able to welcome those who disagreed with his stance because he knew he stood on the truth. It's always easy to welcome those who disagree with you when you stand upon the solid rock. It's easy. It's always easy to say, hey, if you disagree with me, let's go ahead and just take it to the book. The book's where we find all the answers. Whenever I'm having a conversation with somebody, I try my best not to say, well, I believe. Why? Because if you say, I believe, then they're just going to base it upon your opinion. But when you say, well, this, this, what, thus saith the Lord, it's hard to argue God. It's hard to argue the Word of God. And so when you're having conversations with people, you can always take it back to the Word of God. That's why I encourage you, any conviction you have, any uh, truth that you find in Scripture that helps you to provide uh, a conviction or a standard within your own life ought to be backed by the Word of God. If you say, well, this is what we do, and, and you're trying to teach, for instance, Jackson is in a stage and Holly's in a stage where they're about to start asking even more than they already do the question, why? Why do we do this? Why don't we do this? I want to be able to say, well, because the Word of God says this, and we're going to abide by the Word of God. And so that's the truth. But you come to this passage of Scripture, and I want to drive home this thought this evening in verse number 39, because this is where we find some great encouragement in our day and age. Verse number 39, the Bible says, And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. This evening, can I share with you that the same God that is referenced to in verse number 39 in this passage of Scripture, that's the same God we serve today. The Lord, He is the God. And so this evening, I want to bring to you verse number 39 once again. The Lord, He is the God. Let's go Lord in prayer and we'll find ourselves in 1 Kings chapter number 18 this evening. Lord, we do thank you. Lord, I thank you for the visitors. I thank you for the church family. I thank you for the safety you've provided us today. I thank you for the blessing, Lord, of more folks joining the church this morning. And, Lord, what a blessing it is to be able to find ourselves, uh, Lord, as a body of believers, as church family, Lord, in the house of God. Lord, I do pray that you would be with us this evening, Lord, that we'd find ourselves encouraged, strengthened, helped. But, Lord, tonight I pray that we would look to you. And, Lord, we see in this passage of Scripture a great emphasis on this statement, the Lord, he is God. And, Lord, what a blessing it is to be able to understand that you're still the God of yesterday, you're still the God today, and you'll always be God. Lord, we thank you for the truths that we find in Scripture. We thank you for the truths we find in 1 Kings chapter number 18. I pray that you would build our faith, strengthen us, and help us, Lord, as we walk with you. Guide us tonight. Lord, I pray that you would be with myself as I preach. Lord, that you'd empty me of self. 
Lord, forgive me of sin and fill me with your spirit. Lord, I pray that I would preach nothing but your word. And, Lord, that we'd find ourselves saying, oh, what a Savior once again. Lord, we thank you for uh, the many blessings in our lives. And, Lord, I pray that we can walk out with one more tonight saying the Lord met with us. I pray that you'd guide us now, strengthen us, and help us. And I pray that you'd be honored and glorified in it. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. In 1 Kings chapter number 18, as the battle is set and you see some things going on, as we find in verse number 30, there's an altar that is constructed. And we're just going to walk through this for just a few moments and see some things in this chapter of the Bible. And in this chapter of the Bible, in verse number 30, the Bible says, And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Now, that statement, uh, come unto me, as I've already spoken of, it speaks of truth. Uh, If you would, it speaks of the truth being examined, if you would. And as you think about the Word of God, as you think about the conversations that you have, if you are confident that this is, this is the Word of God, if you are confident in God being your God, if you are confident in all these things and you come to the, this, this idea and this understanding, this concept that the Lord, He is God, then you welcome the truth. And the truth welcomes the disagreements. The truth welcomes examinations because every single time someone who does not believe the truths that you are trying to provide, there oftentimes is a reason of falsehood within their belief. You see... Someone who believes what you believe and believes the Word of God and what the Word of God has to say is not going to argue, typically, on that subject. But those who are maybe teaching falsehoods or those who are preaching falsehoods or those who are providing false information based upon what they believe instead of what the Word of God says, as they say, hey, we disagree, and you say, okay, well, this is what the Word of God says, what will now take place is they were trying to expose you as though you were the false teacher. Truth always exposes the false teacher. And so the false teacher may say, hey, that, that's, that's falsehood, that's, that's lies. And all of a sudden you say, well, this is what the Word of God has to say. And all of a sudden that person who is trying to, to, to make it seem as though you were the one who is lying, you say, well, this is what the Word of God has to say. And now you've just revealed to them that they've been buying into a lie. I've had conversations with people. I've, I've, I've met with people. I've had a great deal of... of statements that have been thrown out there and every single time I always will ask this question if I disagree with someone I'll say well where does it say that in the word of God now I've had a couple of times where someone will say well it says this and they'll take me to the to the the verse they'll take me to the pastor's scripture and the couple of times that that has happened what has come to be reality is that they were interpreting it wrong they were reading it wrong they were applying it in a place that wasn't being uh, applicable to what they thought they were trying to apply if you would they were misguided in certain truths. The Bible says in John five thirty nine, Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are that which testify of me. John fourteen six again on the subject of truth, the Bible says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That argue, argument right there defeats the argument that you have to work for your salvation. No, the only way that you get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. And so you come to this idea of people who are teaching and preaching falsehoods, and you begin to open the Word of God and reveal to them all of the many falsehoods that they've bought into. The Bible says in John 8, 32, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. There have been people who have been misguided their entire life only to find themselves for the first time being led through the Word of God and understanding the Scripture and say, all my life I bought into all these lies. And finally, as though I feel free. As finally as though I, I, I understand what God has for me. A gentleman visited our church for about a year. He was a 
uh, an individual. He, he was coming last year for some time. And as he shared his testimony, he said, I, I went to church for so many years and I went to certain church, churches that were not even preaching the Bible. He said, I was listening and I was going and I thought, hey, this is nice and this is fun and this is great, only to realize that I was never growing. He said, I wasn't getting any Bible. I wasn't growing in the understanding of the Scripture. I wasn't doing any of that. I would read my Bible and I would, would, would try to apply the way that they were teaching, but it didn't make sense. And he said, then all of a sudden I came in contact with an individual who was a missionary. This missionary began to reveal what word of, the Word of God had to truly say, and all of a sudden he began to disciple me, and then I began to realize, hey, I wasn't receiving the truth here, and so I began to receive the truth as I was being discipled, and all of a sudden I realized for the first time in my life that for 14, 15 years of my life I wasn't getting anything because I was misguided by falsehoods. And you say, well, what, what's, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? That's 15 years of his life that he missed out on what the Word of God truly had to say because he was listening to lies and listening to things that were not biblical and were not sound and the doctrines that were not accurate. It's a major thing. You know, our children right this very moment, one of the things, probably the most exciting curriculum, if you were to say it that way, within our church is the church uh, the curriculum that our children are going through on Wednesday evenings. Personally for me. And you say, well, why? Because... Every single Wednesday night, whenever we hold our Wednesday evening Bible teaching time for them, they're walking through the major doctrines of the Bible from the age of three until they're into the youth department. And you say, well, what's the big deal there? Well, the major doctrines of the Word of God help people to understand what thus saith the Lord. And whenever young people are being guided and understand all of the many doctrines of the Scripture, they don't have to become at the age of 19 whenever they, they didn't understand and they never had a personal relationship with the Lord and where they leave the church. No, they begin to form their own personal relationship with the Word of God and with the Lord Himself because they understand the doctrines of Scripture and what the Lord has for them personally. I'll tell you, it's an exciting thing when as a, as a parent you have a, a, your son who is walking out uh, of church service talking about Jesus saving the world. You say, well, where did he learn it? He learned it on a Wednesday evening when he was taught the doctrines of the Bible. You say, he's too young. No, he's not. My niece is a soul winner if I've ever met one. Allie Jo, whenever she comes in contact with people, she'll ask them right point blank, do you know you're going to heaven if you were to die? We were out just a while back and we were talking and my neighbor was across the street and his daughter had come and, and she went right to, hey, are you saved? She didn't invite her to church. She just, hey, are you saved? If you were to die right now, do you know if you spend eternity in heaven or hell? I mean, she goes right to the point and she, she goes right at it and she, she wants to know, hey, if you were to die right now, where would you spend eternity? Now, I'll tell you, it gets me excited. I mean, hey, that, that, that girl's not ashamed to ask people if they're going to die and go to hell. She's not ashamed to say, hey, you need to get saved. Well, where did, where did it happen? It happened whenever she was understanding that she was lost and that she needed a Savior, and she got saved, and then she understood that, hey, I need to go tell other people they need to get saved. You see, truth welcomes the examination. You see, God's Word, that's why the Word of God says, study to show thyself approved. He wants us to dig a little bit into this book. Matter of fact, if you're not studying, then you're missing out on all that God wants you to understand and know about His Word. I enjoy opening the Word of God. And so when he says this right here, this statement, Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. He's inviting them. He's asking them to come. And all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. 
You see, this altar was constructed, but he invites them, and as that invitation is extended, he's asking them to, to come to examine it. When you come in contact with people, and people might disagree with you on something, you ask them you know, what their beliefs are, you ask them why, uh, what, if they're saved or whatever the case might be, and someone begins to challenge you on what you believe and why you believe it, if you stand upon truth, welcome it. You know, I've heard stories and I have seen the Word of God work wonders in people's lives. Some of the greatest messages ever preached and some of the greatest services in our entire nation, in our entire world, were services where the preacher didn't say a word that he had written down concerning notes. But all he did was stand and as he opened the Word of God, he began to open the Word of God, he began to read the Word of God and people were found weeping in their seats. Why? Because the Word of God did the work. You see, every single time that I stand behind this pulpit, one of the things that I pray leading up to services is that the Lord would hide me. I don't want to be seen. I pray that I would never say something that would hinder the preaching of God's Word, that would hinder what this book has to say. I pray that every single time that a preacher stands behind here, that they just simply preach the truth of God's Word. Because that's what we should desire. And so Elijah welcomes the examination. He welcomes the truth to be examined. We see the altar constructed here, but also we see in verses 36 and 37 the call of Elijah here as he's calling out to the Lord. He says, And it came to pass at the time of offering of evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day thou art God in Israel, that I am thy servant, that I have done all these things at thy word. You see a supplication here in verse 36. He's crying out to the Lord. He says in verse number 37, Hear me, O Lord, hear me. This people may know that thou art the Lord God, and thou hast turned their heart back again. You see, in verse number 37, we'll come back to this here in just a little while, but he's calling out to God for the Lord to revive them, if you would. As I read verses 36 and 37, I can't help but find myself in these verses as there have been times whenever I have been either preaching at, at, a, at, a, at a, you know, a function or I've been preaching across the street or I've been preaching at another church and I've been praying and asking the Lord, Lord, I want them to see you. I want them to understand, Lord, that you're still alive and you're still working and, Lord, that you're still doing a great work. You know, the world wants us to believe that God is no longer working in our midst. People are are having meetings and saying, God is dead and God's not working. The God that you speak of, there's, there's nothing going on. I mean, think about the world and the conditions of the world, and you're still saying that there's a God in heaven. I want to remind you just this past Sunday that we came to realize that there was a young man sitting over there who called out to God and God saved him. And you want to tell me God's not working? I want to remind you that there was a little boy that was baptized this morning who cried out to God and God saved him. You want to tell me God's not working? I want to remind you this this evening that we're going to have another baptism of another young little boy who had gotten saved recently. And you want to tell me God's not working? You see, we like to say, and I've heard people say, that, that God's not calling people to serve Him anymore. No, it's just that we're not obeying Him anymore. You see, God's still calling. God has been calling for centuries and God's desiring that His people would continue to follow Him. And Elijah's prayer, Elijah's supplication, Elijah as he's calling out, he says, God, let it be known this day that Thou art God in Israel, that I am Thy servant. I've done all these things at Thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me. 
this people may know that thou art the, God, the, the Lord God, and thou hast turned their heart back again. As Elijah is calling out, he's calling out, and you notice these statements if you would. He's calling out that the Lord would show them that he is still sovereign. That he is still sovereign. As he is calling out here, he is saying, show them that thou art God, Lord, that you're still sovereign. He calls out and he says, not only that you're sovereign, but Lord, I'm calling out, show them that I am your servant. As he says in verse number 36, that I am thy servant. He says, Lord, show them that I've submitted unto you. And Lord, this is a word from you. As he says, that I have done all these things. Notice the statement, at thy word. Verse number 37, he says, thou hast turned their heart back again. He's calling out that the Lord would send revival back. You see, a revival is a turning back to God. It's a falling back in love with the Lord. It's a, it's a getting rid of all of the filth in your life and realizing that, hey, you need to be fully given to Him. It's completely given to the Lord. And as He's crying out here, I can't help but understand that I've been in this place before. As I have conversations with certain family members who are lost and I might cry out to the Lord, Lord, just let them see that you're living. God, let them see that you are the true living God and that, Lord, you're, you're desiring to save them, that you're desiring to work in their lives. My prayer this weekend was that young people, generation to generation, every single generation would see that the Lord, He is God. You see, as God put it on our hearts to start these meetings, generation to generation is the understanding that God has been faithful in every generation. And guess what? As generations pass on, there's always going to be a generation that's up and coming and God's always going to be faithful to every generation. And my prayer, my desire is this right here. Let it be known that this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God. Thou hast turned their heart back again. In verse number 38... As we move forward in the story, you see the consuming fire. That's obvious. We, we, we're familiar with this. You've probably read this story time and time again. Elijah calls out and God answers. The Bible says right here, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And so you see this consuming fire and you see that God answers here. In Isaiah 65, verse number 24, the Bible says, And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. It says in John 15, 7, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask, and what ye will, it shall be done unto you. You see, the Lord desires that His people would cry out to Him, that, he would pray, that they, we would pray, and as we cry out to Him, He hears, and He's ready and willing to answer. Elijah understood this. Elijah understood, hey, Lord, I'm coming to you, and as you go all the way back to the brook Cherith, He was being prepared for some things. As you go all the way back, to this story, you'll begin to see that God had been preparing Elijah for this exact moment. And in verse number 39, we see the people's consecration. That's where we find ourselves this evening. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is the God. Lord, He is the God. Have you ever been proved wrong before? Nobody likes to be proved wrong. How many of you would say that you are one who will argue to the, to, the, to the, I mean, you will argue with the brick wall about anything? You say, that's me. Now, those who just raise their hand, how many of you holding your hand up, you say, you can't stand when you're proved wrong? <laughs> uh, 
nobody likes being proved wrong. I mean, you think about it. I was just reading just the other day of, of someone who said that they actually enjoy being proved wrong. I was like, you're a weird person. Not many people like to be proved wrong. And in this portion of Scripture, could I share with you that if this was me, and as a matter of fact, there came a time in each of our lives where we were proved wrong. You see, there came a time in all of our lives where we were proved wrong because we lived a season of our life, I would imagine, maybe for a couple of hours, maybe for a couple of days, maybe for weeks or months or years where we thought, hey, we don't need to really get saved. Everything's going to work out. I know for me, as I laid my head on my pillow every single night, and as I maybe sat in church services, I thought, everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. You know, it's kind of, I made this reference in our discipleship class uh, probably a month or two ago, but it's kind of like the scene from Dory uh, finding Nemo whenever she says, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. You know, that's kind of how I felt. Just keep thinking, just keep thinking, you'll be proved wrong. I mean, that was me. You know, there was coming a time. And as I was sitting right there, I was proved wrong. But can I share with you, I wasn't proved wrong and angry about it. Tears flooded down my face. Called my parents, and with a quivering voice, telling them that I had just gotten saved. I enjoyed that moment of being proved wrong. And I'll be completely honest with you, while it's not always the fun thing, I actually enjoy when God proves me wrong by showing me just how good of a God He is. There have been times whenever I was wondering, I was questioning, I was doubting, I was having some struggles of really believing God was going to come through on this one. And He's never failed me. You see, there are some people in Scripture that were prepared for special moments. Moses was prepared to deliver his people. Joshua was prepared to conquer. David was prepared from a shepherd boy to a king. John the Baptist was prepared to make the way for the Lord. And the message of each of those all rings the same. The Lord, He is the God. In this passage of Scripture, verses 36 and 37, His desire is that they would see that He is God. And in verse number 39, you see their consecration as they fall on their face and they say this, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. As I have been out before and as I have seen and preached in certain places, it never gets old watching grown men weep when they find Jesus. You ever seen a, a, a man's man crying because they got saved? That's the prettiest thing you'll ever see. I mean, a, a, a man because he has found Jesus or, or a, you know, you could even say a young lady or a young man or whatever the case may be. When people find Jesus, it's just thrilling. I mean, even when they've got the ugly cry going on, it's pretty. You know what the ugly cry is? What's the ugly cry? Come here real quick. Come here. Come here. You know what the ugly cry is? Show us what the ugly cry is. <laughs> How many of you are naturally an ugly crier? I feel for you. I'm not, but I feel for you. I, I don't have the ugly cry. I don't have the ugly cry. Which it, it, does, it thrills my soul. And I can just imagine Elijah here, though he was found mocking them as they were trying to, to, to get Baal to answer and there was no answer coming. As he cries out in these verses, Let it be known this day that thou art God. And then in verse number 39, as they cry out, they said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. Many of you have prayed for people 
that they would come to the realization that the God that you worship, the God that you serve, He can also be their God. And there comes a time in their life whenever they finally realize it and you're able to rejoice with them. I will never forget this story. It's not a personal story for me, but I wish it was. I wish I was able to experience it, but I've told it many times and I'll probably tell it till, till eternity comes. But as a young lady had been praying, the church had been praying for an elderly man. It was actually uh, uh, the, the, the grandmother attended the church and the grandfather only came on occasions. And as a revival service was coming or taking place, the elderly man with his wife sat in the back. He sat in the back on Sunday morning and Sunday evening. He sat in the back on Tuesday or Monday morning or Monday evening. He sat in the back on Tuesday evening and Wednesday evening. And he just sat there and you could tell that the Lord was dealing with him, but they had prayed for him for years. And this goes to tell you and show you once again, not only how God works, but how he uses young people. And a young girl stood up, and as she began to praise the Lord and began to talk about her salvation and thank the Lord for just how good He is and talk of all the many things that He had done, and she just begins to testify of the goodness of God in her own life, that grandfather, her grandfather, begins to walk the aisle. And with tears in his eyes, and as all of a sudden she's standing here, and if you could imagine with me, I wish I would have been there. I wish I could have been a fly on the wall. She's standing in the front testifying of the goodness of the Lord and, and, and her salvation and all these many things. She begins to hear amens and hallelujahs and a lot of talking in the back and clapping and all these many things. And she didn't even realize it. But her grandfather was walking down the aisle to get saved. I'll tell you what, does it get much sweeter than a soul getting saved? And as these people come back, and it says right here, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. Take your Bibles for just a moment and go with me to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. Tonight, our message as Christians is simple. As you walk out the doors of the church, proclaim the Lord, He is the God. Psalm 103, I just want you to read with me and look at these words. Let it resonate. Let it take a mighty work within your heart and allow the Lord to, to bless you this evening. The Bible says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses and his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he his anger... Uh, keep his anger forever. He had not. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he hath removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame; he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass. It's a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness, and the children's children, 
to such as keep His covenant and to those that remember His commandments to do them. The Lord hath prepared His throne in all the heavens, and His kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye His angels, that excel in strength, that do His commandments, hearkening unto the voice of His word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye His hosts, ye His ministers of His, that do His pleasure. Bless the Lord, all His works and all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. As you read this psalm, as I read this psalm, I couldn't help but reminded that, hey, the Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. What are you talking about? Verse number 1 of this psalm says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that was within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. What benefits? Who forgiveth all iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth the mouth with good things, so thy youth is renewed like the eagles. That's the God that we serve. What a God. Can I share with you, as you listen to the Word of God, as you open the Bible for yourself, as you try to understand all that God has for you, can I share with you, we have a job. And that job is to walk out the doors of Gateway Baptist Church as we remind ourselves and as we're reminded, we go remind this lost and dying world. We go and remind other Christians, the Lord, He is God. You see, there are people that you will come in contact with that are searching for hope, searching for relief, searching for comfort, searching for strength, searching for salvation in everything but God. And truth of the matter is, if they don't find Him, they'll find a place called hell. Can you imagine with me for just a moment as you walk out these doors, as you go and you begin to witness for Christ and you say, hey, the Lord, He is God. I imagine and I picture myself being like my niece, being stirred up and just walking up to people and just point blank asking, hey, if you were to die right now, where would you spend eternity? She has no shame. She's not offended. She'll ask anyone and everyone. She'll invite people to church. She don't care. She's just walking up to you. She wants to be friends with everybody. As we were on vacation, they made friends as they were on the beach, and they would go each night, and a group of them would just crab hunt for about 30 to 45 minutes every single night, catching all these crabs on the beach and and bringing them and putting them in a bucket and watching them move around, and then they'd let them go again. And Allie Jo had come inside, and... She was talking, and I can't remember who it was. One of the cousins had said, Allie Joe asked, asked them if they got saved. Allie Joe led someone to the Lord. I mean, you just, you just never know with her. I mean, this girl, she just she wants people to know, hey, the Lord, He is God. Can I submit to you tonight what a wonderful thing it would be if all of our, our children and our children's children and everyone gathered here tonight would have the testimony just going out and saying, the Lord, He is the God. What's this God you speak of? Let me stop you for just a moment. He's the God that redeemed me. He's the God that rescued me. He's the God that has called me. He's the God who's sustained me. He's the God who's helped me. He's the God who's comforted me. He's the God who's given me hope. He's the God who's done all these many things. He's strengthened me and guided me and protected me and provided for me and all. That's my God. You see, every single one of us tonight, if you were to stop for just a few moments and I were to call on you, and I were to say, hey, who is your God? I were to say, describe what God means to you. We wouldn't get to the next person. You say, why? Because there's too much for you to tell about your God. 
The Lord, He is the God. Lord, we do thank You. Lord, I thank You for Your goodness tonight. What a God You are. Lord, we need more boldness. Maybe we're not thankful enough for You. I don't know. Maybe sometimes we forget Your many blessings. I know sometimes I certainly do. Lord, sometimes we fail to maybe recall that You've set us out for and, Lord, the great commission that You've called us to to follow and, and, Lord, the task at hand, I don't know what's taking place within our lives. Lord, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss what You have for me. I don't want to miss the opportunity of seeing someone come to know You as their personal Savior. Lord, help me not to be so busy that I get caught up in my own routine that I forget that there are still lost and dying people that need You. Lord, help me not to forget, Lord, that You've commissioned me to go and to tell the Lord He is the God. Lord, we all want the fire to fall. But Lord, after the fire fell, some of the most precious words take place. As they cried out, the Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. Lord, stir us and send revival. Let it start here. Let it start in me. Let it start in us. Lord, may we finally come to the place where we're at the end of ourselves and all we want to do is serve you the rest of the days of our lives. Lord, help us to serve you in our workplace. Help us to serve you in our neighborhoods, in our communities. Help us to serve you, Lord, during the week and on the weekends. Help us to serve you regardless of where you send us. Lord, guide us and direct us. Help us. We'll thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Would you stand with me, heads bowed and eyes closed. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you just want to find yourself the altar and thank them. The Lord, he is the God.